I want us to go um, back to Romans chapter 8. I'm not necessarily picking up where I left off the other day, but I'm, I'm just digging through this, uh, trying to digest some things in my spirit. I want us to go to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Do you know that? They're the sons of God. This whole chapter is about being led by the Spirit of God. And there are, there are things in the Scripture that are explicit, and there are things in the Scripture that are implicit. Okay? And so, it's not always the case, but a great majority of the time, if the Scripture is, is explicit about one way, then it's implicit that it's the other. So I'm saying this intentionally. That if those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, what are we if we're not? You understand what I'm saying? You cannot be, you cannot call yourself a child of God and be led by your own will and your own desire and your own flesh. And so I want us to work through a few verses tonight. Uh, let's just start at verse 26. This is the power of being led by the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's power and value in praying in the Spirit. He that searches... The heart knoweth the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What's this saying? As long as you're praying in the Spirit, you're never praying contrary to the will of God. Amen? When we pray in the Spirit, we're praying according to the will of God. Now, you're either going to believe this one or you're not. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Go to verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us. What a question. If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not... With him also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Aren't you glad it didn't end on the cross? Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more. Somebody shout more. more. Let's do that again. Somebody shout more. more. We are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. Somebody say right now. Nor things to come. Somebody say tomorrow. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who is the us? The us are the children of God. The us are the elect. The us are led by the Spirit of God. You can be separated if you're not part of us. Now, I don't say that as an inclusive statement. I'm saying that according to the Scripture can separate us from the love of God. you got to be a part of... Come on, somebody. I'm saying that in context. you got to be a part of us. If you're not going to be separated from the love of God. And it is being part of us that makes us more than conquerors. Now there is power in understanding this tonight. Of what it means to be more than a conqueror. I want you to be a part of us. Turn to your neighbor tonight and look him square in the eye and tell him you are more than a conqueror. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm going to do my best to not keep you tonight past 10 or 10.30. (laughs) I'm only being facetious. Now listen. If you understand the context of, of where we are, I talked to you last Wednesday night about walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And we were in this same chapter but if you get in in Romans you find that there is there is a common thread that continues to run through especially 6 7 and 8 we are to be dead men walking what shall we say then in Romans 6 verse 1 shall we continue in sin That grace may abound. Now, this is pretty tough language. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin. Somebody say dead. Dead. How shall we live any longer in sin? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized... Into Jesus Christ. Remember me telling you this. How do I get into Christ? Baptism. How does Christ get in me? The infilling of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be in Christ. And you've got to have Christ in you. But baptism. This is going to mess with you. Okay. There's a big, big thing going in modern Christianity. That when you're baptized, you are raised to life. Baptism is used across the board as a public profession or an outward profession of an inward faith. And you get baptized to join a church. Folks, we are not baptized so that we can join a church. I am not baptized so that I can get on the roll of a church membership list. 
I am baptized so that I am in Christ. Baptism is not being raised to life. Baptism is being buried in the death of my old man. This is scripturally and contextually sound doctrine that you were baptized into Christ. You were baptized into his death. Now the value of understanding this is that when I get in Christ through death and burial, then when Christ comes in me, now I'm resurrected to walk in the newness of life. Because there is a literal replacement that happens. It's the strategy that heaven has brought into alignment in the hearts of men that when I repent of my sins... I don't just say I'm sorry. Repentance is not a prayer. Confession happens with the mouth. But repentance happens uh, as we turn away from our old life. Somebody was trying to explain repentance and they said, absolutely. It's a 360 degree turn. I'm like, for most people, yes it is. Three hundred and sixty degrees. Let me explain. If I'm headed north and I turn three hundred and sixty degrees, which way am I headed? So repentance is not three hundred and sixty degrees. Repentance is man, y'all are math whizzes. Repentance is one hundred and eighty because it is literally. The antithesis of what I used to be. We have celebrated for too long the idea that baptism causes me to join a church. And so therefore, when I come up out of the water and I'm I'm risen to life, if my old life hasn't died, then all I've done is risen up out of the water in the same life that I was living. Am I making any sense? You cannot walk in the spirit if you're still walking after the old man. But when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. Now the devil wants you to forget this simple little sermon snip right here. But I want to tell you the power of being baptized into his death is that he didn't stay dead. We don't serve a crucified Savior. We serve a resurrected Savior. He's not just the God that robed himself in flesh and died on a cross and was buried in a tomb. But I'm glad to tell you on this Thanksgiving week that he got up out of the grave. And he had all power in heaven and in earth. So we... We were baptized, we were baptized and buried with him into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk. Somebody preach this to me now. We're in verse number 4 of Romans 6. In the newness of life. Oh, this is so good. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, this is a powerful promise. 
we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Aren't you glad that this is not just Pentecostal rhetoric? This is in your Bible. If you're willing to die to your flesh and be buried in baptism with him, there is a promise of a resurrection. You may have emptied out your heart of all the old things you used to do, but baby, you're not going to be an empty frame. There's something that's coming to live inside of you. It is the Spirit of God. Praise God. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no... Man, I wish I had time to preach this tonight. So powerful. Has no dominion over him. For that in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Why? Is the name so powerful? Why are we baptized in Jesus' name? Because the only way that we are alive unto God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead for your members and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Folks, we got to get this 14th verse down in our spirit tonight. I'm going to preach, but we're going to walk in the word. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Let's walk the explicit, implicit road. If sin doesn't have dominion over me, explicit, this is implicit, that then I have dominion over it. Sin has no dominion over me, but I, because I've been buried with him and resurrected in him, sin does not have dominion over me I have dominion over sin. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law. God forbid. Now here it comes. This, man, if you could break down, how do I live for God? This is it. Are you ready? Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servant to obey His servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, if I was counseling somebody and said this, they'd get mad. But I'm going to break it down Gerber style just the way that Paul did. He said, whoever you yield yourself to, you're a servant to them. Can, Can I say it? Implicit? If you're not yielded to God, you are not a servant of God. 
<laughs> so what does it mean then to say I'm a Christian? There is more to being a Christian than who you believe in. Well, I, I thought being a Christian just meant I believed on Jesus. Well, James presents us with some serious issues with that thought process. Because James said, the devil's, he said, you believe in one God, thou doest well. See, y'all are preaching, I'm telling you. But the devils also believe. And they tremble. Anybody in here think Satan's a Christian? Do you think Lucifer could be counted in the number at Antioch that were called Christians first at Antioch? A Christian is not what I say I am. A Christian is what I live. A Christian is what I am. It becomes my identity. It's not something that I do. It's something that I am. It's the different nature. I didn't used to be a Christian, but when I took on the nature of Christ within me and I was baptized into him and he filled me with his spirit, I become... Boy, y'all are preaching so good. I become a Christian. Now, I want you to get real snippy right here. I want you to get, I, I want you to get puffed up just a little bit, get a little pizzazz. I want you to just kind of like raise that one eyebrow a little bit and look at your neighbor and say, talk is cheap. Boy, some of y'all did that way too good. <laughs> Folks, you listen to pastor. Now, I'm going to tell you. Talk's cheap. We used, we used to say, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. We got way too many people quacking. Come on. I, I think they're quacked out, I'm pretty sure. I, I was reading an article this morning that there is now, and I'm not going to call names at all, but in mainstream denominationalism, there are now several denominations, which thank God we are not, that are literally splitting right down the middle over whom they're willing to ordain and their sexual preferences. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking like you drive by and read the, the names of these organizations on signs out in front of churches. They're not, they're, they're not splitting over hymnals and projectors. Are y'all following me right now? Pepo Bingham used to say, are you following me? Are you following me? They're, they're, they're not splitting over contemporary and traditional music. They're splitting... Because they feel like, and you know what, people just leave their bedroom, whatever they're going to do, just, I wish they'd leave it in their bedroom, do whatever they're going to do. But when you try to bring it into the church that transsexuals ought to be ordained as ministry, and the split is happening because there's a large group of people that are saying everybody deserves love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's in our Bible. 
And the value of that scripture is understanding that true love helps me to love who I am the way Christ made me. The way that I was created is what God wants me to be. God believes in me. God, listen, the enemy wants us to devalue, if I could use that that phraseology. He wants us to devalue what God finds value in us. If God formed you in his image and formed you after his likeness, then you are a child of God and that's what God wants you to be. And anything contrary to that is not the will of God. So I'm going to use some vague terms right here and we're just going to kind of move through this and you know, we're living in a strange day and time. And uh, someone asked me some time ago, they said, what are you going to do if someone that has changed their gender wants to be baptized? And I said, well, I'm going to baptize them. But we're going to talk. Because I'm not baptized into a church. As long as it's just some kind of ritual you do, then just let them go swimming. But I'm baptized into Christ. If they, I mean, honest to goodness, we just need to, for for people that feel like that that it's just a ritual, let's just go rent an Olympic-sized swimming pool, say one, two, three, everybody jump in. No. I'm leaving some things in that water. Let me ask you all a question. Anybody here like to hang out at the cemetery? I'm not big on it, to be honest with you. We went the other night uh, for my Aunt Michelle's birthday. Uh, thought it'd be a good, good deal on one of the windiest nights of the year. <laughs> to light lanterns. The kind that float. Supposed to through the air, but they'll also go straight to trees. I'm an eyewitness of this. And uh, I started asking the question while we were there. It was dark, you know, and I said, uh, what do you think these people think out here driving by and see this group of folks out here with lighters? And now, I don't spend a lot of time in cemeteries. I, I'm not a big fan, you know. I, I go there quite a bit as a pastor, and we bury people, and I go visit my loved ones, and I, I do all that. But I'm going to tell you where I'm going to draw the line. When I start walking through the cemetery, and the last guy didn't want to be buried all the way, so they just bury him enough, but his kneecap's hanging out. <laughs> Left arm sticking up out of the ground. Not walking through there. I, I'm going I'm, I'm to tell you all something. There's a reason why we don't sprinkle baptize. I don't believe in sprinkle burying. If you're going to sprinkle bury somebody, I ain't going to be doing that funeral. I may do the funeral, but I'm not going to the cemetery. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe when something is dead, you bury it. And I believe when I die to my sins, I don't get sprinkled water on me. I get buried. And I want to tell you why I get buried. Because everything I was goes in that watery grave. And when I come up, I leave it there. And I walk it. Oh, man. When I walk out, it's different. 
It's different. So we are literally to be dead men walking. Now, we've talked about this before the scripture was divided into chapters and verses. You have to understand there was no Romans 6, 7, 8. It was just the letter to the Romans and 6 rolled into 7 and 7 rolled into 8. And, you know, I mean, what, what, what do you do? Do you stop at the end of Romans 7 and say, Paul is saying through his life, oh, wretched man that I am, that I've got a war raging in my members. What does he say? He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You read it? It's a valid question. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Well, tell me tonight. Can Buddha deliver me? Uh, can, can Hare Krishna do it? Uh, any politicians you know that could do it? Could the Supreme Court fix it? Who is it? Can Confucius do it? Could Muhammad do it? Who can deliver me from the body of this death? Well, let me tell you a thousand times over. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy that can deliver us from the body of death. From Oh, God. Woo. I feel my help in here right now. That can deliver me from that old man that's hanging around. That, that old corruptible nature. There's something about it, being delivered from the body of the death. When I repent and I've got that old man on me and I go down in a watery grave of baptism, the old man stays under the blood and the new man comes out. So, the value of serving the Lord and being a Christian is understanding the prerequisite. I teach this a lot. I believe in it. It's something we don't hear a lot anymore, and that's self-denial. Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Somebody shout crucified. It is the will of God for us to be crucified. Now, let me give you some historical references here. There were over 120 different types of crosses through ancient history. 120 different kinds. There was a traditional cross that we see uh, that Jesus was hung on. It looks like the lowercase t, you know. There was a capital T kind of cross of which a man's head had no rest. They were crucified on this cross. There was a T and they had to hold their head up. There was nowhere for them to put it. That was a, that, that was a pretty brutal cross. There was... There was a... A cross that was made like the letter X, where instead of being crucified in a T fashion, they were crucified in an X. And they were stretched out. It was, it, it, it was not good. There was, a, there was another kind of cross that was straight. It was just one pole, and it had a large spike on it, a very large spike. And they would push the man down onto the spike, and they would spin the man around until he died, literally just tearing everything out of his insides. Like that, that was the kind of age that they lived in. It was, it was brutal that they would do that. But there was, an, there was another crucifixion that in my opinion, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying this to make light of our, our Savior's crucifixion. I'm saying 
that in my personal opinion, I think the worst kind of crucifixion that the Romans would do was the one where they would, if a man had murdered someone, that they would take the body of the murdered man. So the man that had just murdered this guy, they would not bury the murdered man. They would take the murdered man and they would make the murderer lay down and they would tie the dead man's arms to his arms. And they would tie the dead man's legs to his legs. And they would tie the dead man's head to his head. And so the man would have to carry the weight of that death everywhere that he went. Are you following me? So, this gets pretty crazy. Tucker, come here and help me, buddy. You're light enough. I think I can do this. I want you to just stand right here on this deal. And I'm, I'm going to, yeah, turn and face that way. I'm going to hook my arms through you right here like that. And I'm going to do this right here. Can you do it? Can you do it? Come on. Come on. Okay. Can you do it? Am I hurting you? Uh, yeah, good. I'm going to do it again. Can you do it? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and hold on to my neck. Can you do it? I can't even preach it right now. I'm preaching false doctrine thanks to you. <laughs> what are you raising? So it would be back to back instead of belly to back. But I'm carrying around the man that I killed. And so what starts to happen, let me put you down so I don't hurt your little back there, buddy. You okay? I love you, Pookie. Go sit with your daddy. So, that's my cousin. For those of you who don't know, I'm, not, I'm picking on my own family. So what I'm saying to you is, this man would be released into the public. But he would carry the death of the old man around. Everywhere that he went. And by about the second or third day, you know, we've already been through rigor mortis. The body starts to decay. By the second or third day that you're trying to sleep, you're vomiting because the smell. And you're carrying around the weight of what you've done. This was, it, it, it was common practice. And so you're walking through the streets with a dead man hanging on you. And you see one of your old buddies. And when you see your old buddy coming, you know he carries a sharp knife. And you say, hey, bro, cut this sucker off me. Cut it off. And you go down this back alley and there's nobody watching. So you, 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 he starts cutting it off. And you start to feel relief. And about that time you look up and a, and a Roman soldier comes walking around the corner. And, and, and you look at the Roman soldier and you say, hey, I, 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 I'm just, I just want to be free. And your buddy that's trying to help you speaks up and he says, hey, I have a right by the law to do this. And so if this Roman soldier is worth his salt at all and he knows the law, he'll say, you're right, sir. You do have, you do have a right to cut him loose. But here's the only way you can do it. If you are willing to take that body that you're cutting off him and you're going to carry the weight of it. Y'all follow me? So your neighbor that was going to redeem you 
takes the weight of what you've done and puts it on himself. And the only way you can be free is for another man to take this old body of death. What was Paul talking about? He said, who can deliver me? I've been walking around carrying this. But there is a man who paid a debt he did not owe. Paul said he took that old body of death that he did not deserve. And when the Roman soldier looked at him and began to curse him, he just looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he took the weight of death. He took the weight of my sin. And he carried it on his back. And he walked up the hill Golgotha. And they put spikes through his hands. And spikes through his... Oh God. As your friend... As your friend begins to talk... You start, hey man, listen, this is not your problem. Don't, don't you, you didn't do this. You don't deserve this. Just tie him back on to me. Tie, tie him back on to me. The reason they would do this crucifixion this way is because it was a slow and brutal death. That is, you're carrying death around and not many days hence as the body begins to decay then that infection begins to set in your body and you're ate up and, and you die. You literally die a death with the weight of death hanging on you. They pick you up out of the street and bury both of you. Can I tell you tonight, if it had not been for the Lord who is on my side, They'd have had to bury me in the grave with everything that I used to carry. But thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in his name. I know you may have been born into a family that's full of addiction. You may have been born into a family of alcoholics. And you may have been a drug addict and an alcoholic. and Whatever it is you carried around. You carried that. But oh, I want to tell you about a friend that can bear that burden. You don't have to be buried in the grave as an alcoholic. You can be buried in the grave as a free man. Free man. It's a free man. <laughs> This is the exchange. The Lord said, I'll take the body of death. Paul said, he's, he's the one that took my body of death. But now i got to keep my body crucified. You understand what I'm saying? Because, man, I hope this makes sense to you guys. I, I, I want to draw this picture really clean. Because even if a man comes along and takes that body that I'm carrying... And I go murder another man. Just because somebody else bore the first burden. Doesn't mean they bear the second burden. Jesus the power of what he did. Is that when he took my sin upon him. He took not only the sin that I had committed. But he introduced us to something we never really knew. And that was the power of mercy. 
That even if you fail, and you will, and even if you make a mistake, and you will, there's something you need to know. You don't go back and strap that old man on to you because your old man was crucified. Yeah, he tried to resurrect, but the power of mercy sets you free. So, Paul had been talking about the law. I'm almost finished. Paul had been talking about the law in chapter 7. And he said the law is holy. Now, there's people that don't, they do not agree with this. But I'm telling you, it is, it is hermeneutically sound to say that the law was spiritual. It was very spiritual. You had to understand the spirit of the law to understand with the law of the spirit. Are you with me? But the issue is that the law could bring condemnation. Because the law said, this is how it is. And if you do this, this is the penalty. And that's it. So, the law, the power of the law, the scripture said that it was our tutorer, literally, our schoolmaster. The law pointed out what sin was but the law could not set me free from what it pointed out as obvious you understand what I'm saying so the law presents the problem with no solution so the author of the law says I have the solution and I am the solution I know the law because I'm the author of the law That's why I was teaching the law at 13 years old and astounding doctors and lawyers in the temple. He understood the law. People said Jesus came and stood the law on its head. Jesus came and broke the law. Jesus never did break the law. Not one time in his earthly ministry did Jesus ever break the law. He wrote the law. He doesn't break the law. Jesus did not break the law, but he certainly fulfilled the law. He certainly took the power of what the law couldn't do. The law said, this is your problem. But mercy said, I'll be the solution. Woo! So. Oh, God, this is so powerful. Who can deliver me from this body of death, from the body of this death? Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 6, says, Knowing this, that our old man is, not was, but is, crucified with Christ. Now, the problem in the modern church today is that we preach half salvation. I wish I had a dollar for every time I used to hear my papa say. If you've been baptized but you hadn't received the Holy Ghost, you're half born. Right? Anybody ever heard that? Half born? We tell people how to get rid of the lousy sin. But we don't tell people how to take dominion over the sin that comes in their lives. Are you with me? So we say Jesus came, Jesus... I was, I was explaining this to somebody the other day, and I, I'm pretty sure I heard the poof cloud in their mind when I said this. The New, the New Testament church started without John 
Oh my God. Do you know, do you know why the first century church was so easy to convert? Because I understood the value of the law. And when they were introduced to the power of mercy, they didn't have to be convinced. But in the day that we live in right now, we preach the law of happiness. Not the law of freedom and victory. We preach the law of happiness. That God just wants you to be happy. And whatever you got to do, you need to be happy. No. The Bible doesn't say he that the Son has set free is happy. Is that he that the Son has set free is free. And it's free indeed. Listen to me, church. I want to tell you, the greatest happiness you're ever going to have in your life is when you realize that your sin's not pushed ahead for a year. You are free in deep. So how? Oh, Lord. So. How, how, how then, how then do I make sense of all this? Let's go to eight and nine very quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close and we'll get you out of here. Romans eight and nine, but you are, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If it be so that the spirit of God dwell in you. So I got to ask you the same question tonight that I asked you a week or so ago. Are you in the spirit? Are you in the flesh? When I was a little boy, I used to hear preachers talk about this analogy, and they'd say there's two dogs that lives in every man. Right? There's two beasts. I talked to you about the nature of the beast. There's two beasts that live in every man. And whichever one you feed the most is the one that thrives. Well, Jesus taught the same thing. He just didn't call them dogs or wolves or beasts. You got the nature of the old man. You got the nature of the new man. But you got to choose how bad you want to be free. Because if you don't come in in Jesus' name through baptism and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, nobody will ever see it because we don't do it this way, but... In, in your spiritual mind, you got to know you're walking around with a dead man strapped on you. And you're going to die a painful death because of what you've been through. But mercy has established us in a covenant. Folks, baptism is so powerful because it is covenant. The law was a covenant with God's people that this is what you're not supposed to do. But baptism was God's covenant to man saying this was what you weren't supposed to do but because you did it I'm giving you my word that I don't care where you've been and I don't care how far you went and I don't care who your parents are and I don't care what your pedigree is if you'll take on my name I'll set you free Then, then, then how, how am I, how am I more than a conqueror? You ever wondered that? How could like a conqueror defeats something or somebody? So how, 
How do you do more than defeat them? Back in our softball days, we were more than winners a few times. We beat some people, and we beat some people. And Bishop and Josh Malone loved it. But I want to tell you, I got to reading through the Word of God some time ago, and I said, God, I realize I, I win. I realize I win. I realize I'm a conqueror. But Paul said that I was... Like that don't... <laughs> you understand what I... That, that, that don't make a... Don't make a whole lot of sense to me. But there's value in what I want you to know. I have the power to have dominion over sin. But he didn't just give me dominion over sin. That makes me a conqueror. But when his spirit comes and dwells within me, I have now done more than just destroy the works of sin in my life. I am now walking in authority and power that I not only have dominion over sin, but I have dominion over every power of darkness. I am not just conquering my flesh. I am dominating the enemy. I am more than a conqueror because I'm not the only one that can be set free. But I can take the hand of somebody that needs to be free and say, let me tell you, I was set free from what you're facing right now. And I am more than a conqueror because now I am recruiting other conquerors. I'm recruiting somebody else and letting them know you don't have to die with that old man on your back. You can be free. Hey, I want to tell you, the whole world needs to know the power of being more than a conqueror. As I close, let me just say this to you. Let me give you three things. I'm closing quickly. And I want to tell you that we are more than conquerors. Do you know when those three Hebrew children went into the burning fiery furnace? They were conquerors. But when they got in the fiery furnace and the fourth man was in the fire, they were more. Are you hear what I'm telling you? Their decision to stand up made them a conqueror. But when they stepped in the fire, they were met with an authority that made them more. When Daniel went into the lion's den because he refused to stop praying, he was a conqueror. But when he laid his head down on that lion and the hand of the Lord shut the lion's mouth and the king came down the next morning and said, hey, Daniel. And Daniel said, yes, sir. He was more. (laughs) When Jesus went to the cross, he was a conqueror because he defeated his flesh in the garden. He could have said at any time, hey, 10,000 angels, legions, let's go. Get me out of here. Good at it. He was a conqueror. But can I tell you, they put a conqueror in the grave. But on the third day, he was more. Than a conqueror because he didn't just defeat his flesh. He came out resurrected. But I love what Paul said. He said that same spirit that raised. (laughs) 
and raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. You didn't just defeat sin. You're walking in the spirit. You're walking in the authority of the Holy Ghost. You are more. Let's stand together. I haven't just been forgiven of my trespass. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. It'd be one thing if the Lord gave us the recipe to clean our house out and said, okay, I got rid of the dead man. Now the rest is on you. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to show you a way through repentance and baptism that you can get rid of the old man. But you just wait until you feel the power of what's getting ready to live inside of you. I'm telling you this power of the Holy Ghost, it is as powerful as it's ever been. It's not weakening as the days go by. I know I sound like an old timer tonight, but I want to tell you, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. This Holy Ghost isn't getting old. It's still new wine. It's as powerful as it's ever been. I've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Let's give God praise on this Thanksgiving, could we? Let's give God great praise. Let's give him praise. You have made us more than a conqueror, oh God. Come on. It'd be one thing if you just defeated sin tonight. But you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can have it right now. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. We are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Just begin to give God praise. Let there be an atmosphere of thanksgiving in here tonight. I'm telling you, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. You can have it. You can have it. You were created for more. You were created for more. You were created for more. Come on. You're a child of God. Yes, you've conquered dominion over sin. But you can have the Holy Ghost tonight. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Do you remember what it felt like when he filled you with the Holy Ghost? If you remember what it felt like when he filled you, I wonder if you could just let the Lord know tonight how grateful you are. It gets sweeter as the days go by. Woo! Somebody help me glorify our great God.
Come on, I feel something right there. Woo. We got people seeking the Holy Ghost tonight. I know it's Wednesday night, but put away your premeditated idea. Come on, somebody can get it tonight, right now, right now, right now. Here's what we're going to do together. We got some folks who need the Holy Ghost. So what we're going to do together is we're going to repent right now. I don't care if you got the Holy Ghost or not. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, we're going to repent. Let God refill you with the Holy Ghost. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're just going to repent together right now. I want everybody to just raise your hands. Amen. Close your eyes. Lift your face towards heaven and say, Lord, if there's anything in my life. Lord, that would separate me from you. God, I believe through your power I have dominion over that. Lord, I believe that I can live the life of an overcomer. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for who I am, and I want to be filled with your spirit. God, I don't want to just live a mundane life. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm telling you, I feel something shaking in here right now. Lord, would you wash me and cleanse me right now? Lord, would you make me brand new right now? Lord, I'm making you a promise that I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to live for you. No matter what it costs me, God, I'm going to live for you. Hallelujah. Now, I just want us to begin to give the Lord thanks for what just happened. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, I just want you to stretch your hands right now and begin to thank the Lord for what you feel. Amen. And I'm believing in the name of Jesus that there's going to be something start stirring in here. If you've never, if you have been filled with the Holy Ghost but haven't prayed through in a while, the Holy Ghost is giving you permission right now to speak another tongue. He wants to refill you right now. He wants to refill you right now with the Holy Ghost. Come on, reach out and touch Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Receive it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm going to be free. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm going to live for you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church. We got to let God have his way in here right now. Woo! In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It is the will of God that you be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't care how many lies the devil tells you. It is the will of God. There's nobody that's perfect enough to deserve the Spirit of God. It is the will of God. That you be full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. It's the way it ought to be on Wednesday night. 
It's the way it ought to be on Wednesday night. Revival. I don't ever want to forget this Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. I don't ever want to forget this night. Somebody's going to realize who you are. You are more than a conqueror. 